0: We're in Psalm 52 and chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. In chapter 22 of 1 Samuel, we looked at Doeg the Edomite and his wicked slaughter of the priest, Ahimelech at Nob. And he not only killed Ahimelech, he killed 85, what we would call Uh, Priest in study or priests that were to be future priests. And David, he confesses to Abathar, I knew Doeg was up to no good when I saw him there with Ahimelech. He says, I just knew he was up to no good. Therefore, the slaughter of the priest and their families, David says, it's my fault. And while David is hiding at the cave of Adullam, he writes Psalm 52 concerning Doeg, the Edomite. So let's read Psalm 52. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, your deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of the dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. The righteous also shall see in fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercies of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. It's amazing that David would write many of his psalms while in what we would call a distressful habitat. At this time, he happens to be in a cave there in Adullam. But the theme of Psalm 52, Doeg, you Edomite, you loved evil more than good, and lying more than being righteous. Now, that's something... To say about a person but today maybe you've noticed we live in a society that embraces evil or sin we have those that boast of unrighteousness we have those that call for murder in the womb and call it pro-choice we have homosexuality and it's labeled being gay. We have adultery, and it's called an affair. Evil behavior and violence is often wrapped in a cloak of civil rights in America. Many churches uh, no longer preach repentance, but they have a social gospel be all that you can be. David chose, or uh, closes rather, Psalm 52 with a praise and commitment. I will praise you, speaking of the Lord, forever, and I trust in the mercies of God forever and ever. David knows his future, trusting and praising God Forever. So what is David doing today? It's been 3,000 years since David was here on earth. I say to you, David is with the Lord, worshiping him. David is living out his forever. Now let's move over to chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. We'll read verses 1 through 13. Then... They told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, or I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself up, entering into a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant, and the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me? and my men into the hand of Saul. And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah. So he halted the expedition. David has inquired of the Lord via the ephod. Now the ephod was a a vest-type that the high priest wore, and it had uh, gemstones on it, and it would some way, somehow, give answers, yes or no. You had to ask particular pointed questions. It wouldn't just uh, write an essay, but it would give you a yes or no answer. David inquires, and he gets a yes answer to the attack of the Philistines, who are robbing the threshing floors there at Keilah. But David and his men, they're afraid. David's men in particular are afraid. And they were like, David, why don't you ask the Lord one more time? Make sure. Same answer. <laughs> Only this time it's a little more in detail. Go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. David obeys God. And we read that often about David, how he simply obeys God. And a great victory is uh, given to David at Keilah, where he even takes the livestock of the Philistines. Saul, he has heard that David is there at Keilah, and he has a different spin, a different interpretation upon This being a sign from God that he is to go capture David and kill him. Could Saul have been more wrong? Saul looked at circumstance and said, hey, God's for me. I'm going to go down there and get David. But he's absolutely 180 degrees off wrong. Saul has looked upon circumstance. And he declares... God is on my side. God has delivered my enemy, David, into my hands. Saul calls his armies together for war. Let us go down to Keilah and besiege David and his men. And by the way, yippee, God is on my side. (laughs) Be careful, and this applies to any of us, when you allow circumstance to dictate your behavior, or to trust God, or not to trust God. David has escaped Saul many times, on numerous occasions. But Saul, he doesn't look at David's escape as being divine. David just was clever and got away from me. Saul's own son, Jonathan, has made covenants of peace with David. Saul doesn't look at that either. Oh, my son has just turned against me. In Saul's mind, he is king of Israel, God's people. Therefore, he must be blessed with God's anointing and God's will for him. What an assumption. We can look at circumstance that appear good and come to the conclusion that God is for us or God is with me. I occasionally will sell some automobile or something and people find out that I'm a Christian and they want to negotiate a better price because I'm a Christian. And they say things like, You're a Christian, I'm a Christian, give me a better deal. And I have said to some of these Christians, Because I am also a Christian, why don't you give me more money for than I'm asking? It's a two way street, you realize. They don't want to hear that. I have a real good friend that cuts my hay, and he's really very wealthy but he's a good Christian man and for whatever reason he likes me and I have to be careful to pay him a fair price for his labors seriously recently I told him I said my wife says that you treat me too good Dick and he just chuckles I think I'm some project of his or something but he forces me to look for ways to be fair to him. To bless him. What can I do for him? And occasionally I'm able to do this. But here lies the truth. Without faith, it's hard to please God. No. It's impossible. It's not easy or hard. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith does not look at circumstance. If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear that. Faith does not look at the status quo or the circumstance. Because we can be just like Saul. I can look at favorable circumstance and determine that it's a sign from God to do what I desire to do. I try not to look on circumstance and say things like, "Boy, that was good luck." I try best to leave luck out of my life, out of my vocabulary. I once give advice to a good friend who was trying to determine God's will, and he wanted God to give him favorable bids on a job that he was putting out to bid. And he said, "Then I'll know it was the Lord." And I said, why don't you ask for God's will to be done regardless of whether you benefit or not? There's a good idea. Now, I fully understand we all want good deals, and I want to be a good steward of the resources that God puts in my hand. But I also understand this truth. Remember Judas? Judas carried the money belt for the disciples. And in John's gospel, we're told Judas would steal from the money bag that he carried. And here's the cruncher. Jesus knew it and still let him carry the money bag. It would be very difficult for me to allow a thief to steal from me or from the church without doing something about it. When we were down on the parkway in South Huntsville, we had a lot of traffic from people that needed things. (laughs) They needed gas money. They needed food. They needed this. They needed that. And I would listen to them. I would pray with them. And then I would give if I was going to give to him, I would give out of my own pocket. Because I was trying to run interference for God and not let God suffer the loss. Like God needed my protection. And it was a thing of pride with me. I was willing to suffer the loss, but I wasn't willing that God should lose. And God showed me that it was pride on my part. Back to David. He's wanting to know the will of God. David summons Abathar the priest along with the ephod, and David wants to know Will the men of Kelah deliver me to Saul and to give me over to him when he comes? And the answer he gets yep, they're going to give you up, David. David Takes action on this word from the Lord, and he and his now 600 men—he's up from 400—they depart Keilah, and they scatter to all different places of hiding. Saul hear, hears of David leaving Keilah, and he stops his pursuit of David for the time being. So now let's look at 1 Samuel 23 verses 14 through 29 where we pick up the rest of the story and david stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness as as if saul sought him every day but could but god did not deliver him into his hand so david saw that saul had come out to seek his life and david was in the wilderness as if in a forest Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in Gah. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Jonathan is encouraging David to be king, and I'll be with you. Verse 18, so the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Then the Zephites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods, in the hills of Halak, which is on the south of Jezimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desires of your soul to come down. And on our part we shall deliver to you him David to the king's hand and Saul said blessed are you of the Lord you have compassion on me Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there for I am told He is very crafty See therefore and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you, and it shall be if he is in the land that I will search him out throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph, Ziph, before the Lord. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain plain of the south of Jezimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that... He pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But, ye love the buts, the pauses. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore, Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they call that place the rock of escape or rock of protection. Then David went up from there and dwelt in a stronghold at En Gedi. In this passage, David and Jonathan have another meeting. Notice in verse 17, Jonathan encourages David. Saul, my father, shall not find you. He didn't say you might escape. He said, my father shall not find you. And it's almost prophetic what what Jonathan is telling him. And you shall be king, and I will be next to you. Even my father knows this. And Saul, his father, has chastised Jonathan for being friends with David. And he says, as long as David's alive, you won't be king. But that's okay with Jonathan. Then Jonathan and David, they part ways. And Jonathan is the example, in my opinion, of a friend in the Old Testament. You won't find a better example of Jonathan befriending David in the Old Testament, but the Ziphites, a city near Carmel in the highlands of Israel, they come to Saul at Gibeah with the whereabouts of David and his men. The Ziphites are loyal to Saul and not loyal to David. And they say, come down, Saul, and we will deliver David into the king's hand. Saul is happy. He's pleased to hear this, that he has somebody that has sided with him. And Saul, uh, he declares a blessing upon him. Saul has spoke a blessing, and he probably, it doesn't say so, but will reward the Ziphites uh, with money, lands, and positions, and so forth. But Saul pursues David in the wilderness of Maon. But... But just as Saul is about to encircle David, capture him, and kill him, we have a messenger arrive on the scene, and he comes to Saul, and he says, The Philistines have invaded our land. Saul must defend Israel, his kingdom, and he abandons the search for David and goes to fight the Philistines. And the name of the spot becomes known as the Rock of Escaping. David and his men, they go into the wilderness of En as Saul pursues the Philistines. God's protection of David is not spectacular. You might say it's just common, ordinary way that God is protecting but I think we're supposed to recognize those. As believers, I think we're supposed to recognize when God watches out for us. Amen. This messenger arrives at King Saul and he tells him, Hurry, Saul, come back to the land of the Phil- for the Philistines have invaded us. A message. This is news that Saul cannot ignore. He must leave. He must protect his kingdom. David was about to be captured by Saul, and it would have meant death for for David. And David appears trapped. And through no maneuvering of David, through no strategies of uh, hiding by David, God's deliverance comes how? through a skinny little runner. You never have fat runners, by the way. When you run to tell somebody, they're always, look at the marathons, they're all skinny people. Anyway, and he says, come Saul, for the Philistines are invading the land. So the word of this one messenger prevails over the entire purposes of Saul and his army. And David and his 600 men are saved by that one messenger. And where is this done? At the Rock of Escape. That's an uncommon name for our Lord, but that is one of the names listed as our Lord's name, the Rock of Escape. Just this past week, I was going south on Interstate 65. Traffic came to a stop. And I sat there an hour and a half waiting for traffic to move. Can't go anywhere. There were serious injuries, suffered in a multi-car accident just, just up in front of me. And once traffic began to move, I was only two or three minutes from being right in the center of that serious accident, God's protection of me was only two or three minutes at the most away. How often are we protected by simple little delays in our schedule? God's protected me, and I didn't even know from what it was a little nuisance to me at the time a little delay have you ever said of an instance like that boy that was a close miss could it be God the rock of escape protecting us many times it is we're told Just like our scripture reading, the steps of a righteous man are directed by God. Accept the small delays that come your way. It could be God's protection. It could be his way of escape for us. Recognize that our Lord loves us, watches over us, and takes care of us. And try your best not to complain when you're slowed down or even stopped from your regular routine. It simply could be God protecting you. Amen? Let me get you a stand. We'll close in prayer.